Hi there. Welcome to The Discerning Drinker, the podcast dedicated to flying the flag for great British drinks and the people who make them. I'm David. And I'm Gaynor. And we're the people behind the British Tipple Club, where we fly the flag for British artisan drinks producers across the UK. We think it matters not only what you're drinking, but the story behind it too. And that's what this podcast is all about. The stories behind the drinks and the people who make them. We'll be featuring UK winemakers and producers of craft gin, rum and other spirits, as well as craft beers and ciders. We're looking forward to sharing with you the wonderful world of British tipples. And today we're talking to Alan from Selkirk Distilleries. He's been making gin up uh, there in the Scottish borders now for a while and uh, we're looking forward to finding out all about what he does, how he does it and, and why he does it. So good morning, Alan. Good morning, how are you? I'm very good, thanks. How are you? Excited. <laughs> How's the weather up there on the borders? It's a beautiful sunny day. Is it? it? No rain, no snow. Fantastic day. Oh, well, that's good. That's uh, that's uh, far better than we've got. That's that's for certain. <laughs> Have you had much snow, actually? No, we've had, actually had no snow this year at Have all. Have you not? Nice. Yeah, not good for all the ski resorts then. Maybe they've not had very much well, either. They're a bit further north. They'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stay away from the snow. <laughs> cool. So Selkirk Distilleries, You yep. uh, it, primarily it's gin that you're making, isn't it? It is, yes. We started with gin. Um, we started back in March 2017 with the idea and then move forward with it. Excellent, so almost three years and yeah. uh, and how's it all going? It's all going very well. Um, we started off doing what's called cuckoo distilling, so uh, we used to work with another distillery and then March last year we moved all our production to Selkirk, so everything is now done in our little town in the borders. So when you say uh, you were working with another distillery, yeah. you mean that you, you were sort of producing things and, and having it actually distilled elsewhere? We were distilling it with them in Strathern Distillery, so I know them very well. All right. um, and they gave us an opportunity to use their still, so we'd go up there, use the still, produce our gin, and then finish it all back here in Selkirk. All right, I see. But no, you've got it all... Um, no, it's all here. All in-house, as it were. Cool. So what, what, why? Why gin? What was, the, what was it all about? Why did you get um, involved in the first place? It was quite interesting. It was obviously the gin craze started about five or six years ago, um, and I was friends with the owners of Strathern Distillery, uh-huh. And I used to work a bit freelance for them, being brand ambassador and learning the, the, the role, learning about distilling. And then I just asked the question one day, can I make my own gin? And the answer was yes. So <laughs> here I am. And the rest, as they say, is history. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. And, and so um, it's, I, I, it's, a couple of, it's you and your wife and another couple, isn't it, that are, that are doing it? Is that, am I right with that? Yes, it's my wife and I and another and another couple. Friends. And so my sister-in-law is now part of the business too. And and was were they all sort of ready, uh, readily um, interested in coming in? Was it was it a sort of a persuasion job needed to be done, or was it a case of saying, "Oh yeah, absolutely," or did they think was, you were crazy? Oh yeah, absolutely, really. I mean, um, when it started off, my wife and I discussed it with the other business partners, Dave and Sue Meyer, and then. This year, my sister-in-law came on board, and we've actually sent her off to university to do the brewing and distilling course as a master's degree, so she'll come ah. with a master's degree in brewing and distilling. So is brewing something that you intend to, to get involved in as well? Unfortunately, no, I don't want to do brewing. Brewing <laughs> is very complicated, but <laughs> it's part of the university course. Right. You have to learn the brewing process first, and then you go on to distilling. Uh-huh. 
Excellent. I mean, and you've already said that you're already uh, brand ambassador for uh, for another uh, gin company. So that that was the interest. That was interest. I used to work for Strathern Distillery, kind of freelance, did ask me to go to events and things, and I quite enjoyed selling gin. So why not sell my own? Absolutely. Yeah. And so I suppose it's not quite as difficult as uh, giving up a giving up a job, as it were, sort of a nine to five job, and then thinking, oh yes, I'm going to go into this full time. You're already sort of uh, immersed in it. Yes, that's right. Yeah. T- tell us a little bit about your gin and what makes it special. Our gin, we have two core gins. One is the Selkirk gin, which is obviously named after the town we're in. Uh, we use uh, as many local botanicals as we can. We have a very nice walled garden next to the distillery, so we pick from there quite often. Um, and we use the gorse flower or the windflower, which grows readily in the Scottish borders. And we make it in a very small batch system. It's 100 litres at a time, never any more, never any less. And it's all hand-finished hand-bottled, hand-labelled by us, giving it a really nice, smooth finish to it. Um, the other gin we have is called the Selkirk Bannock Gin, or Bannock. Now, a Bannock is a fruitcake. <laughs> and we right. macerate that into the gin, which gives it a really unique, warm, fruity flavour. So, sorry, where where do you get the Bannock from Our then? Our Bannocks come from our local baker in Selkirk. Who really? From here in Selkirk. So everything we do, we try and keep as local as possible. So is it actually, is, is the Bannock pre-produced in respect that the baker makes the bannock, you then take it away, and then the you bannock, macerate it. Them from him, yeah. and then we put them into our gin at the end, after distillation. It has to go in after distillation. Right, so this so is cake and gin together. Yes. <gasps> <laughs> you can put alcohol in cake, so let's turn it around and put yeah. cake and alcohol and yeah, see what happens. Absolutely. And it, does it actually taste of the bannock? It does, yes. And we have a lot of local people who, that's their first comment, it tastes like the cake. That's incredible. Yeah. When we were talking to, to somebody earlier, I, I was at a um, uh, the Manchester uh, Beer and Cider Festival last week. Yes, I saw that. It was very good. Yeah, it, it was. It was really good. But some of the strange concoctions of, of flavours of beers, there was a, a beer that was um, the flavour of... Um, uh, oh, Pano chocolate. Pano chocolate. Pano chocolate. Yeah. And, and yeah. I thought, what? That can't be right. And, and I've tasted it, and it did taste like pano chocolate. It, I mean, it was actually really quite nice. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah oh, I think the... the, the fun in doing it yourself is you can actually play with botanicals and play with flavours. Yes. Um, and if you don't like them, you just redistill it, which is quite nice in the distilling industry. So you literally can just sort of redistill it and it takes the flavour out yeah. and you start but again. If you redistill it, you'll take the majority of the flavours away. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So how did you come up with your botanicals? What, uh, you know, you said they're from um, local. Did yeah. you have particular things in mind or was it a case of... It really was um, a group decision. It's what, what we thought we wanted our flavours to be. And having been um, part of a gin business before and seen how gin sells, what, what I wanted to develop was a gin that you could actually drink straight um, oh, right. without tonic in it. Because a lot of comments you get are people don't like tonics, they want to put lemonade in it and things like that. Uh-huh. So my recipe design with Strathern was it has to be able to be drunk straight. And do many people drink it straight? Or yeah, is it just quite a lot of my yeah? people drink it straight. Right, and is, is that a bit like the sort of the the whiskey with water and whiskey without water? It, it sort of it kind of yes. I mean, I, I am a whiskey drinker. I love whiskey, mm-hmm. um, but the, the gin itself, I mean, it does mix very well with very nice tonics and, and a little slice of orange. But the the idea behind the gin was a citrus base. So we were very fortunate. We have say, the walled garden, so they they actually do grow some of our citrus fruits for us and our, our um, leaves and things in the in the greenhouses. So it's quite good. Right, so it's, it's really interesting how you uh, how you do that. But the sort of the, the the drinking neat bit it sort of interests yeah. me as well. In that, uh, you know, I, when I taste a gin, I tend to taste it first, 
uh, neat, yeah. but I rarely drunk it neat. I've always had something with it, uh, and it's uh, you know, I, I don't quite get the the. I say I don't quite get. I do get the fact that people like it with lemonade. Uh, to me, it's sort of. Um, it's it's wrong to have lemonade with it. It should be tonic if you're having anything with it. Have <laughs> customers drink those gin and tally up to them? Yeah, well, that, that's true. And, and, and I think you're right. I think there's lots of people these days saying they don't like... In, fu- in fact, what I think is funny is lots of people are saying they don't like gin when it is actually the tonic. It's the um, tonic they don't like. Gin, yeah, and yeah. And that's what I found when I worked with Strathern. People wouldn't even taste it because of the tonic in it, and then you start taking the tonic away. Yeah. And actually, that's quite nice. Yeah, yeah. So they actually get the flavours of, of what they're drinking rather than it being overpowered with yeah. the quinine and the tonic. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So we've got a few friends actually that are like that, and uh, I'm not sure they would uh, even try the gin. I think it would take some persuasion to try the gin because yeah, they believe it's the gin. Because they believe it's yeah. the gin. I think that's that's yeah. the thing. So oh, if you have to try a little bit of bannock gin, that's that's a very different gin entirely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that does really sound interesting. So yeah, we'll, we'll try and send you down a little sample bottle for you. Perfect. That'd be good. We can perhaps get some people converted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> How do you normally sell it? Are you, are you selling online? We do have some online sales, but our majority of sales are through um, direct to customer. We go out and do markets, events. Um, we have people come to the distillery to visit us. Um, although we don't encourage that because we don't actually have a visitor centre. But you're in a small town, you can't help it. People yeah. will turn up at the door, knock on the door, and yes. want to come and taste the gin. Um, we do have one or two. Um, outlets for it in the borders but one of the goals for the business is to try and grow and get it out to, to new new customers and that's what i was going to ask you actually where you know where do you where do you want to take it and, and so that's it you want to get it out you want to get it south you want to get it all over the uh... um we've had it as well we, we do have some stockists down south uh, we've done a little bit of export to germany uh, we're very fortunate here in selkirk we're twinned with a german town Ah, right. well, we actually get an opportunity to go out there once a year and do their Christmas market, and we hit their market with our gin, and they, they just buy it all up, which is fantastic for yeah, us. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, perfect. It's quite nice because that extends the story, doesn't it, with yeah. the uh, the Twin Town? Yeah, we were there last year and the year before, so and this year we actually increased our sales because we went to another town, uh, which is a slightly bigger town in the Bavarian district, and then this year we've now got a third town, on board who wants us to come to their Christmas market this year. So that'll be three Christmas markets in Germany, which is... That's a whole, it's a whole new industry itself, that isn't the Christmas markets. That's, yes. uh, you know, it can become just a, sort of a, a non-stop thing. I don't know, obviously, only around the Christmas time, but uh, if you look at the Christmas markets in, in, in the UK, yeah. they are big events, aren't they, that go on for they probably three weeks or so. Um, and I think, the, again, the unique thing for us is that actually Edinburgh, which is obviously the, the capital of Scotland, is, is twinned with Munich. Right. which is a Bavarian town. Selkirk, which is Scotland, is twinned with Prattling, which is also a Bavarian town. Um, so we're the little Edinburgh and the little Munich, which I would like to think of. As well. yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Good. So anyway, you're listening to the, uh, the Discerning Drinker brought to you by the British Tipple Club, and we're all about the stories of the people behind the drinks. And today we're talking to Alan from Selkirk Distilleries. Uh, and uh, learning all about the uh, the reasons why he does what he does and uh, and the fact that... He's We're learning to... all about cake with gin. Yes. <laughs> gin with cake, whichever way. We're... Yeah, <laughs> sounds like a great combination to me. <laughs> How many bottles do you produce then um, per year? So if you're if you're sort of um, out doing all the markets and yep. things, well, you know, we, we keep sort of thinking about this and thinking, what really is small batch? You know, what what is that? Small batch for us, we have a 100-litre still, and we'll run that maybe twice a month, depending on sales. Um, if you understand the gym production, it's not lengthy. It doesn't take hours to do or days to do. 
um, a straightforward London dry gin in 100 litres, you can kind of run through that in three days. All right. Uh, okay. From start to finish. Our organic gin, on the other hand, takes up to 12 weeks, so we have to be ahead of that production because um, it does run out very quickly. 12 weeks, so that's significantly different, isn't it? it? Is, yeah, 12 weeks is quite a lot. For that's the, the, the ultimate transfer of flavours from the cake to the gin. Yeah. And, and, and was that trial and error? Did, have you sort of... Uh, that did... was very much... There's no scientific behind it other than our taste buds. I've got so used to tasting it when it's on the, on the nail, so we know when it's ready. Right. Um, and we have one or two customers who are the same. They can come up and they can try it when it's not ready, and they go, oh, no, that's not ready yet, because um, they've bought lots of bottles of Bannock Gin. So we know when it's ready uh, yeah. by taste and colour. Lovely. Cool, cool. And you've also got an interesting shake bottle, haven't you? Yes, ours is called the King Bottle. comes from... Uh, company called Vito Elite, who are actually an Italian glass company. Okay. Um, so we did search high and low in Scotland and England and wherever else to find a suitable bottle, but this company came up with something that was quite different for us, um, and we went with it, and uh, we changed all that in March this year, um, and we improved our label and everything, so it was a nice change for us to make everything fresh for the, for the move down to Selkirk. So does that make it a 500 uh, a, a mil bottle or is it 700 we do a, we do a 700 mil and we do a 500 a 20 and a miniature all oh, right um, our, our we do liqueurs as well so we have a garden to bottle range so all the again the fruit that goes in the local garden here we put into some of our liqueur range so what's the, uh, tell us about the liqueur range so does liqueurs, that we I say they're seasonal so whatever's ready in the garden we'll we'll pick and come up with amazing different flavors uh, we did one that was white currant mint and um, basil, which was very nice. Mm, sounds nice, yeah. Uh, we did a white chocolate and raspberry, which was, uh, again, slightly different in the world. Uh, and then you've got your standard kind of slow and spiced apple, which was different for us, and a plum and bramble. But everything is hand-picked by myself, my wife, and my sister-in-law, and then we make the, 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 the cure. And uh, uh, do, do they go alongside the gin? Do they go, you know, how, how do you serve? They can. I mean, uh, one of the things, in the gin world is there are those who like to drink the liqueurs because they're not quite as strong, they're not quite as gin-flavoured, um, they're more fruit-flavoured, um, and that's the marketplace you've got to look at sometimes. Yeah, yeah. We're quite proud of our liqueurs because we don't add a lot of sugar, we don't use any syrups, everything we do is fresh fruit and as little sugar as possible. Perfect, okay. that's good. And bear in mind now you're, let's like, say, almost three years in. Are you doing now what you expected to be doing, or have you sort of... Uh, sort of gone off your original plan or has it gone? I think we are where we want to be now. Um, the building came along as, as a, an opportunity for us and where it was positioned is, is fantastic. Um, and that's down to one of the local estates down here um, owned by Sir Michael Strang Steel. He saw the opportunity. He had a very nice empty building which we took over um, a couple of years before we moved in and just spent those two years um, renovating it, cleaning it, getting it ready for the distillery to open. So we're in a very nice place. We're in a nice local estate down here in, in the Scottish borders, and we love it. Perfect. Do you think you'll go into doing the tours? Do you think that's an area that, you know, you said you haven't got a visitor centre at the moment. Do you think that's, is oh, that part that of the, bit. sorry, the, the the tours, do you think the visitor centre is part of the plan, or are you quite happy? Um, um, I think as a business, you have to look at what, how do you, how do you grow your business, and one of those is with gin making classes, with, with people coming to visit and, and being able to, to see this, the actual premises. I and mean, it's not big, 
Um, and the people who come now, we do a free tour. They come in, they get a wander around, and they get the story from either myself or my wife, whoever's here. Um, and you can pre-book that, and it costs you nothing. Come visit us, come see what we do, get some samples. That sounds good. That sounds good. And, and I suppose um, where you are is reasonably touristy area? Um, Scottish borders, yes. You have quite a lot of tourists down here. We have a, a, a thing in the borders which is called the Common Ridings, which is a very big event which goes on all through the summer, and that commemorates um, some of the battles between England and Scotland over the many years. Uh-huh. So, yeah, we do have that in the summertime. So the, the Bannock, that, is, yeah. that, is, is there some connection with Bannock? Burn, no. nothing to do with that. <laughs> the bannock, it, it's actually a fruit loaf is what it is. I yeah. mean, I think Northumberland has a bannock as well, which uh, um, right. it's, just, it's just a word for a cake. Uh, um, and it, it's just what it's called, bannock. Interesting. Cool. It's just one of, one of those names that you think, oh, there must be a connection, but clearly yeah. not. <laughs> it, it's a common mistake. I mean, I've had it called Bangkok gin, Bonoffi gin. <laughs> you name it. It's had lots of different names. <laughs> um, I think the word bannock originates from making it the old fire. They would just take whatever fruit they had, whatever bread they had, and they would make a bread with it and add whatever they could to it. Right, right. And then make a fruit bread with irrigate stuff or mm-hmm. stuff going off, I think, is the, the idea behind it. So, And again, in those three years that you've been doing this now, have there been times that you've doubted yourself and thought, what am um, I doing? Doubt's not the right word. I think you worry that you're going to do it right. And I think the biggest concern we had was when we moved away from Strathern and we made our very first batch of gin all by ourselves, uh-huh. in our own still. Um, you kind of think, I hope this tastes the same. <laughs> um, fortunately, it's a well-tried recipe and it came out. Um, and again, we were quite proud of it because we put our gin into the Scottish Gin Awards last year, uh-huh. um, being the first time we produced it. And we were very fortunate to get to the finals of the London Dry category, which is one of the toughest categories because it's about every gin distiller makes a London Dry. Right, yeah. being in the top 45, so we were quite pleased with that. Excellent, yeah. Top 45, that's good, isn't it? Yeah. It would be nice to have been top 10. but we <laughs> <laughs> The fact that you actually got to the finals, though, I mean, it's something that uh, that I always say to, to businesses. We, we, we used to do a lot of business coaching and sort of encourage people to go in for uh, awards and such yeah. like. And if you're in that sort of final few however many of the final few are you know, I was used to say that you think about how many Hollywood actors sort of live off the fact that they were Oscar nominated they never actually won but they were Oscar nominated so yeah, being in that final few is is a great accolade it is we're very we're very proud of that yeah mm. cool very good so and do you use that in your marketing is that something that you sort of and we talk about it when we do events and things we'll tell people I mean we do a lot of uh, external gin tastings for we do a lot of fundraising for people um, they always approach us and say, can we do a gin tasting? And we're always keen to help people raise money for different kinds of things. Yeah. Um, and we always talk about that. And that kind of, you see people's eyes raise up and go, oh, really? That's a good gin then. So, yeah, it's nice to do that. Gin yeah. seems to go well with fundraising, doesn't it? There seems they to be do. quite gin, a few. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's an easy one for fundraisers. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's good, actually. Coming up with new ideas for fundraising isn't yeah. easy, is it? And so... it's quite on par. Just now. A lot of people are into the gin and the different flavours, so... Yeah. What what do you put that down to the whole sort of gin craze thing? What um, where, where did it why has it come about? I think some of the some of it's got to do with it has to do with liqueurs coming out because if, if I remember me growing up as a child, I never remember any gin liqueurs. It was uh, Gordon's Beefeaters, and that, that was about a lot. Yes, usually mixed with bitter lemon. <laughs> um, but I don't, I don't really recall um, gin liqueurs coming out. I remember obviously vodka was a big craze with different flavours in it. Yeah, but I think the the launch of gin liqueurs which brought it to a different marketplace because it was sweet, it was fresh fruits or, or, you know, syrups and things. And people were trying it mainly with other mixers, um, which I think allowed people to get a taste for gin. Yes. And um, before yeah. they got that hit of juniper, which is quite 
floral is quite perfumey, and if you're not really into that flavour, you find it hard to taste it. Yeah, I suppose that's uh, that's very true. And if you a lot of the the flavoured gins, you do lose that, don't you? Or you miss mm-hmm. it. Yeah, you don't get the juniper lead on it. You don't get that big juniper head. I think you're yeah. right there. I think it's that different market, isn't it, where yeah. the syrups came into their own, really. And then I think on the back of that, then gin was opened up as a whole market, wasn't it? So... Yeah, I think people then thought, well, I want to taste what real gin tastes like. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. We still have people that come to our market stall or event and say, do you have any flavoured gins? Or they love gin, and then we let me taste them a 43% Selkirk gin. And you just watch their face. It's quite funny. Yeah, 43%. It yeah. Be funny, but it is. You just know they're not really gin drinkers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're waiting for the Palmer Violet hit or yeah, something, aren't they? Very sweet and very rich. But <laughs> which got and they have their place, don't they? So, yeah. When I, I'm uh, I'm ex-Royal Navy, and uh, when, when I was in the Navy, gin and tonic was a thing in the wardroom. It, that was That was what you drank. But it was a Gordon's with... Indian tonic water. <laughs> there were no real uh, options on that. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Cool, great. So we're uh, listening to the Discerning Drinker, the podcast brought to you by the British Tipple Club, and we're all about the stories of the people behind the drinks. And we're talking to Alan from Selkirk Distilleries, who's telling us about uh, his drinks and his, uh, his Bannock gin of, of particular interest. And if you want to find out more about the, the drinks and the, uh, the people that we, that we talk to, you can go to the BritishTippleClub.co.uk as a website or join in the conversation in our Facebook group, which is Drinks with Friends on Facebook, uh, searched as a, as a group. But we're... Uh... Oh, I'm sort of uh, just moving away from the microphone there. Um, yeah. What, what what else would you want to tell us, uh, Alan, about Selkirk Distilleries? What's you know what what are the what are the sort of the unique things? What's somebody sort of seeing your gins against other people's gins? What, why would they buy your drinks? Um, I'd like to think that the taste is, is one of the it's a, you know, it's a winning taste. It's a nice taste. It's got um, obviously our passion in it because we make it ourselves. Um, if you ever go to an event and see our gin on sale, it's normally one of us that makes it. that's standing there. We don't use anybody else to do it. Uh-huh. Uh, we're also available for people who want to make perhaps their own gin. Uh, we've got a couple of little contracts that we've been involved in. Um, we've also got um, a very special gin that we made last year for um, memorial for the 1918 end of the war. Um, Selkirk, a small um, borders town, actually lost 292. Two, sorry, 292 men died in World War One from Selkirk, and that was okay. almost 10% of the population. Really. Um, a lot so of people. Used the 292 gin, mm-hmm. which commemorated their loss, um, and we only produced the 292 bottle, and each bottle had a name of one of the families that lost somebody in that war. So we, we do things like that. If you want something made or something different, we, we're small enough to work with you to understand what your needs are. Um, and that's kind of where our gin is as well. We understand what it is. It relates to the Scottish borders. It relates to the history of the borders. Yes. Um, it relates to some of our stories. You know, that's what we're trying to do. And what about the, the 292 bottles that you yeah. did for that, for that commemorative uh, gin? Did they go to specific places or, or were they sold in, in general? You, you said um, they had a different name on each bottle. The names, the, the, the names themselves were it was quickly um, sold out. I mean, the 292, when we launched it, um, it took about a week before everybody who had the name on the War Memorial in Selkirk, found a relative and wanted to buy that particular bottle. Right. Um, so we did it. We had the there but not there Tommy. I don't know if you remember the Tommy for last year. Um, that was the front of our bottle. Um, if you go on our website, you will see. Ah, uh, right. The uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, the, um, the the sort of the silhouette that was used. Yes. 
satellite. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We were one of only the few, I think we were the only gin company in Britain that was actually given permission to use that on a gin mm. bottle. Really? And then was that because you'd had that sort of connection with the, the 292 previously? or No, we just asked the question of the, the their but not their charity. Uh, we made a, a, a sizable donation to the charity for allowing us to use the image. Uh-huh. Um, and obviously we then supported Selkirk and things as well through the sale of the bottle. It's a great story, isn't it, how these things come about where you think, you know, it, I suppose when you started off you'd have no idea that you were sort of entering down that route and all of no, a sudden no, 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 no. you're making something that has a massive place in history. So. Yeah, excellent, excellent. So the um, what, what's next? You know, what, what are your next goals, would you say, for, um, for the business? One of my next goals would be to be, we're the first legal gin distillery in Selkirk. I do use the word legal. <laughs> <laughs> we'd like to, I, my, my goal in life is I would love to make whiskey in Selkirk, to be the first full-on whiskey distillery in Selkirk. All yeah, right. Um, and I would say I've seen my friend Tony Riemann clark from Strathburn. He did it in a very small space, and he does, well, he just sold his business, so... My ultimate goal in life would be to make whiskey in Selkirk. Perfect. So, when when do you think that might be? What's your uh, what's your, your your projection for that one? It's kind of a you know, maybe two to three year plan to get it started. I mean, it's obviously a little different investment lines and stuff like that. So, we're looking at it. And once my sister-in-law finishes the distilling part of her course, mm-hmm. she will have an in-depth knowledge of how to make whiskey. It's a bit more complicated than gin. So are the is the equipment totally different? Are the different it skills? Is, yeah, you've got yeah. an additional equipment to have. You've got fermenters and mashing tins and things like that. So you have to get new equipment in, um, and that's one of the things we're looking to do is progress to that. That would be my ultimate goal in life. Perfect. It's good to have. Uh, it's good to have those sort of goals. Yeah. At least you know where you want to go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. In, including more alcohol, we like that. Good goals. <laughs> <laughs> what, what goals do you have outside the business? What's uh, um, what's Alan's goals? It's quite a difficult one, actually, because, <laughs> uh, because it's your own business. You tend to be concentrated on yes. that quite a lot. Yeah. I, mean, I, I have a family. Obviously, my wife um, is very important to me, my granddaughter, my children. My goal is to make sure that, that they have all the support they need and achieve their dreams. I mean, I'm, I'm nearly 60 years old, so uh, me too. quite well <laughs> in my life where I am. So if I can leave them a little legacy, then that's what I'll do. But... Um, yeah, just to go forward, I think. That's good. That's good. That's uh, nice to hear. Is there anything else you'd like to tell us about uh, about Selkirk Distillery before uh, before we sort of wrap it really up? Really, to again just tell people that we are a small business. We we run very close family business, so we do uh, look after everyone that comes to visit us or speaks to us or wants to know more about us. You can contact us, come and see us. Not a problem. That's great. Perfect. So we're going to come to the end of our. Uh, podcast now okay. um but um we always sort of ask for this question to our guests at the end because it always just is a nice roundup um if you were shipwrecked on a desert island and all of your basic needs were taken care of so you had plenty of food plenty of water what are the two items that you would take with you that you couldn't well, do i'm without? gonna obviously be a bit cheesy here aren't i um, <laughs> one would be my wife just in case she listens to this. I've got a bottle of Selkirk gin there to get us through those nights when we're not, got, we're not doing anything else. Yeah. <laughs> good answer. on the list, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> good answer, good though. Good answer. answer. Good yeah. answer, yeah. Well, it's been great talking to you, Arne. Thanks yeah, very much thank for you. taking the time out to, uh, to, to speak to us today and tell us more about Selkirk Distilleries. Uh, before you go, tell us where anybody listening can contact you if they want to find out more about what you do and how they get the, uh, the, the drinks um, they can you, obviously contact us by email at info at com. We have a Facebook page, again, which is Selkirk Distillers, um, Instagram, 
and um, telephone number or website is probably the best one, www.selkirkdistillers.com. That's the best way to get us. Fantastic. That's great. Well, that's rounded it all up. Thank you once again to Alan from Selkirk Distilleries. Uh, Distilleries. It's been great talking to you and find out about uh, the, the drinks that you produce and what you're doing up there in the Scottish borders. Thank we wish you, you every success with the business moving forward and with that, uh, that goal of, uh, of being a whiskey producer in the future. Watch this space, I think they say. Absolutely. Take care. Thanks for having speaking to us. Not a problem. Thanks very much. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.